The research showed me that that entire industry was just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> the idea that millennials who were born within this 20 year wide age gap or all they share the same values, they want the same manager, they have the same goals. That's all insane. It's really unconscious bias. Welcome to the Beyond Speaking podcast from Premier Speakers Bureau, featuring in-depth conversations with the world's most in-demand keynote speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, present here at Premier Speakers Bureau. You are watching and listening to the Beyond Speaking podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Jessica Kriegel. She is the Chief Scientist of Workplace Culture at Culture Scientists. Uh, she's a Forbes 100 leader, Wait. Uh, Fortune 100. Culture partners. Culture partners. Not culture scientists. Oh, <laughs> we should just leave this part in here. Yeah, I'm totally fine with So for those watching and listening, like normally I am good at this stuff. I am not today. So Jessica, we're just gonna be, this is gonna be, we're talking about being real and authentic. If you wanna have Perfect. a real culture, you gotta be real. So what is your title? Chief Scientist of Workplace Culture, you got that right, of culture partners. Of culture partners. Yeah. Which is very important. <laughs> People bring her, so she's uh, a scientist of culture, That's which is right. which is great. And part of that is, you know, for Premiere, we're talking about things like we try to be friendly and nice and everything else. So thank you for listening to me mess up my intro that I've just tried like five times. <laughs> so we're just gonna cut to the chase here. And so, uh, so Jessica has, is somebody that talks to all different types of groups. You've been in like basically every, just go look it up and yes, she's been in that media, or she's been on it. Um, uh, you, know, you talk about workplace trends as well. I was watching uh, you know, one, of the, one of the morning shows that you were on, uh, one of the morning business shows. And, uh, and we've booked you for a lot of top companies and you speak all over the world. We're talking about going to Saudi Arabia and Brazil and uh, not just talking about culture, but actually changing culture, which, which is one of the ones I, I was excited about. What made you first be interested in culture? A bad culture experience, believe it or not. I mean, isn't that the story of every speaker? They had some <laughs> kind of personal experience that made them passionate about this thing, and then they had to explore it. I worked in a place that completely dimmed my light it was toxic. I felt every morning, every Tuesday actually, we would have our team meeting and then I'd have my manager one-on-one -on -one and I would cry every single Tuesday without fail because I knew that it, I was gonna get bad feedback, they just didn't get me and that felt so emotionally taxing. My mental health suffered because we spend eight hours a day at work, mm -hmm. if not more, right? Yeah. And so being in a place all day long with bad culture makes you a worse wife, a worse parent, it makes you not want to go work out, not eat healthy. I mean, it affects everything. And so it was a bad experience, which ultimately I guess was a good thing because it got me here. Mm -hmm. Well, culture is in your title like three times. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> and you go to great pains to say culture isn't this kind of like touchy feely. Oh, it's just kind of out there. Like you say, like culture is like a real tangible thing. Yes. So to you, being the expert, a scientist, what is culture? Very simply put, <clears throat> culture is the way that people think and act to get results. And what most people think of when they think about culture is, well, we have a really great set of values that are up on the wall, or we have a ping pong table in the lobby, and that's our culture, or <laughs> you know, we let people work from home or not, and that's not it. Culture is the way that people think and act consistently over time to drive the business results that you're trying to achieve. So the way that we measure culture is, are you getting your business results? Mm -hmm. If you are, then great. If you're not, then perhaps your culture needs work. And what we don't do and what I don't like to think about is, let's identify the gaps in your culture, what's wrong with your culture and how to fix it. Instead, 
the, the frame of mind that I think is, your culture is perfectly aligned to get you the results you're getting today. Mm -hmm. So let's identify what results you actually want to achieve and how can we shift your culture to get those results because that's what's going to drive it. Mm -hmm. And I love how you point out that culture isn't perks. Yeah. Yeah, I like I love that line. That is that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean what we ultimately believe is that culture drives results. Well, what drives results? The way that people act, right? You call someone, you book a gig, that's an action that's going to get premiere a result. Well, what gets you to take that action? It's the way you think. It's really the beliefs that you hold about this is a valuable service that I'm doing to the world or this is an important job or I don't want to let my team down. Those beliefs are what drive our actions and what created those beliefs? A series of experiences that you had throughout your life that got you to here. Maybe you saw a great keynote speaker one day when you were young in your career and you thought that's the field that I want to go into that changed my life. I want to help change other people's lives. That experience led to a belief that leads to an action that gets you a result as a company. So ultimately driving culture is all about experiences but where most leaders stop is at an experience like we're going to have a happy hour. We're going to do a leadership retreat. We're going to do a team building, but we have thousands of experiences every day. And so it's constantly creating intentional experiences to drive the right beliefs, to get the right actions out of your people, to get the results. Mm -hmm. We're, one of the things is people have these blind spots yeah. uh, to their culture, to who they really are, because a leader over here may think it's one thing, especially now with remote work and hybrid and everything else, it can be different. How can leaders know what their culture is? Great question. So blind spots is actually where I started my research and it was around generational dynamics because everyone 10 years ago was all hot to trot about what do millennials want? How do we attract and engage and retain millennials? That was my first book. And I did research in an academic setting. It was my doctoral degree and I was going to become the expert on millennials. That was my plan. I just thought if I become an expert in millennials and I am a millennial, no one can tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And the research showed me that that entire industry was just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> the idea that millennials who were born within this 20 year wide age gap are all, they share the same values, they want the same manager, they have the same goals. That's all insane. It's really unconscious bias. And that's our blind spots is the bias we have and it's ageism hiding in a generational label. So when I started working with clients, I was talking to them about eliminating the generational stereotypes mm -hmm. and getting rid of that bias and those blind spots so that we can really see each other. And ultimately culture is really about understanding. You started with this really authentic moment that I thought was great. You said, okay, here, I messed up a word. Someone has probably just messed up a word in some meeting and feeling bad about themselves. They're going to see that moment, realize they're not alone. They're going to feel better. That's great culture. Mm -hmm. It's showing up as a real human in the workplace and creating an experience for someone where they feel like they get to see you and you get to see them. Having millennial labels, that's the opposite of that. It's deciding I know who you are because you're a Gen Xer. You're a Gen Xer, right? I think so. Yeah. What's 75? Is that Gen X? That's Gen X. Okay, yeah. Exactly. I know I'm like kind of somewhere. So you're very cynical and you're super into Michael Jackson. And I can say <laughs> a bunch of things that are maybe or maybe not true. It's yeah. not really you, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's when I was like, I was watching the news clip, and I was just getting so annoyed because like I have teenage girls, and they're not lazy. Yeah, I mean they're out getting jobs and babysitting and trying to do volunteer, you know, all this stuff, and they're like, oh, they just want people to give them a puppy. Yeah, you know, which is true. We did get them a puppy like seven years ago, but 
they they do like they're working hard and like the whole message it seemed like that everyone was trying to tell you was that like oh no this next generation is lazy and oh it's you're like, talking no. about on squawk box yeah whatever that was yeah I actually, they came at me hard on that i know i'm like whoa <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's tough i mean and you do have those barriers but i think the best leaders are going to see through those barriers and kind of get people more individually i think yeah and also understanding beyond just generations this happens all the time right we have bias about someone who's in sales mm -hmm. versus in accounting you must be this way and you must be that way because of the nature of your role there's we have to get rid of all of that and really understand the people that we're working with it's the human side of business mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that you can change your culture if you say okay I've identified the blind spots yeah I see where you are how do you go take that next step to change? Okay, so we always start with strategy. We start with results. What are you trying to achieve in meaningful, measurable, and memorable terms? Meaning we need to see a number. Our number at Culture Partners is we wanna impact 5 million lives in the year 2025. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And the way that we impact them is they go through a workshop or they are part of our culture journey or they read a book that we've written. If we can impact 5 million lives, then we will have made a difference. So then we reverse engineer the results pyramid, which are those four stages I talked about. So if you want that result, what actions do we need to take to get there? That's just identifying your strategy, the strategic anchors and goals that you have between now and then to get there. And then you have to ask, well, what beliefs would we need to hold as a team in order to take the right action? And intentionally identify what we call cultural beliefs that you want to permeate. They're not values. Values are timeless. They're the way that you want people to show up with integrity or transparency or collaboration. Cultural beliefs are the specific beliefs, ways of thinking that you need people to act with in order to achieve your results. And then you take it one last step further, which is reverse engineering to experiences. And you say, what experiences do we need to create for each other? in order to develop those beliefs as a team. And the core three experiences that you can start with and lean on are feedback, storytelling, and recognition. Mm -hmm. If you give people feedback where you tie, I saw you did X thing at work. And by doing that, you displayed our cultural belief of Y, whatever that is. And in doing so, you're gonna help us achieve our result of Z. Now you're tying the feedback to that whole pyramid so that you start to create a self-fulfilling prophecy of your culture. Mm -hmm. How do you, uh, so one of it is part of, is identifying what your culture is and what you want it to be. How important is to identify what you don't want your culture to be? We don't focus on what you don't want it to be mm -hmm. because there is so much time spent in the business world around gaps. Here's what's not working. Here's what we can't do, what we don't want. This is the problem, right? And so what we wanna do is create a results orientation and not a problem orientation. So we focus on what do you wanna achieve? Here's your goal, that's our North Star. We're focused on that. It also helps develop resilience because the more you hammer on, we did something wrong, we did something wrong, the, the worse morale gets, right? And that's not to say that we don't give each other constructive feedback. In fact, I'm getting more feedback than I ever have in my life because we know that constructive feedback helps move the needle. But the way that it's done is once again, instead of saying you bombed that presentation, we say something like, when you gave that presentation, I noticed that one way in which you might've exhibited our cultural beliefs a little bit more would be if you had why. So it's more of a recommendation around a way to move up, to move closer to results. Mm -hmm. It really makes a difference in the toxicity level of the <laughs> workplace, you know? Yeah, how do you do a Tuesday morning meeting without making somebody cry? <laughs> 
Well, I've actually learned that that was very unique to that particular workplace. I haven't cried in many years. You know, I mean, we are constantly giving each other recognition for great work done. One of the things we do is we start every single meeting with a moment of gratitude where everyone shares something that they're grateful for because when you get in a headspace of gratitude, mm -hmm. then you're unable to be in a headspace of, ah, right? Yeah. So we start with gratitude. We restate our purpose, which is to unleash the power of culture to inspire people and businesses to reach their full potential. We consider ourselves as executives the chief reminding officers. Mm -hmm. yeah, our job is to here. say the purpose all the time, remind people what the goals are, what we're here for, recognize great work and start with gratitude. And then we get to the business of the meeting. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't dive into it. We start with why are we here? What are we doing? What's the big picture? Yeah, I love that too. I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out just cause it's a fun story. I remember my, I had my very first performance review uh. and so I didn't cry, but it was, a, this, <laughs> so um, I had this boss, so I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm a talker. I'm not like super detail oriented, but my job was being super detail oriented, which you had to do to become an agent. Right. And so the lady who was the HR person brought me in. And so she goes, I see that your boss has, has put down that you've exceeded expectations in almost every category. And she goes, I can only assume that's because expectations for you were so very low. <laughs> and I was like, that is harsh. So yeah. my first reaction, I was mad. And then my second one, because I like to write and everything, I was like, that is an awesome line. <laughs> Did she like think of that? And just like, she's been waiting to use that for like six years and she finally found a place. But I, I think for me, like knowing who I was, I knew that wasn't true. I was like, that's just like, she just was looking for a place to use that line. But I think when it comes to feedback, and I had this boss, uh, a different different one going through that same thing, and their process was just so negative. Mm -hmm. Like how they did every meeting was here's what you're doing wrong, here's what you're doing right. wrong, here's what you're doing wrong. And so for me, when you talk about that Tuesday morning, I hadn't really thought of that in a while, but I mean, it's been over like 25 years, but it's, it's still one of those things that sticks with you about how to do feedback the wrong way and how to build culture the wrong way. And you could see like from afar, once you get out, you're like, oh my gosh, that's pretty toxic. That if everything is on the negative, uh, which is why I wanted to ask about that, that one question, but um, you know, how to keep it positive. What are some of the companies that you see that do things the best? Or do you have any examples of this company changed it uh, in this small way? They changed their Tuesday morning meetings, they changed their feedback, and how did that make a difference? Oh, I can tell you a great story. It was a healthcare company that we were working with. And they were, there was a particular, the chief nursing officer had a particular challenge. They were doing this broad scale culture transformation project, but the story explains how the results pyramid really works. She was having trouble getting the people in the ER to gather next of kin information. Mm. So that's when someone comes in, you find out who their next of kin is so that you can contact them if something goes on. And it was only getting collected at a rate of 42%. Mm. 42% yeah. of people we had their next of kin information and the rest of them we didn't. And so she went under, underwent this entire initiative, a program to change that number because it was critical information, right? So she simplified the form. She made it, it was three pages long. It became much shorter. She translated the form into a bunch of different languages. She engaged in a bunch of training sessions and workshops with everyone on the team. She told everyone how important it was. And six months later, it was at 47%. <laughs> Barely moved the needle, right? 5% wow. differential. Then she learned about this results pyramid and she realized that they all needed an experience that was going to shape a belief that that next of kin form was important mm -hmm. and that it was critical in fact. And the experience she chose to use in that moment was storytelling. So she told the story of two patients that came in. One woman, 
We didn't gather her next of kin information. She became unconscious. They treated her and there was a complication because she had an allergy. They didn't know that because they didn't have next of kin information and she lost her life. Mm. A man who came in, gathered the next of kin information. He took a turn for the worse. We called the family. We found out he had just been prescribed something because a couple weeks later he had had an incident. We didn't prescribe the same medication that would have been a problematic medication for him and his life was saved. She just started telling those two stories. And in three months, the number went up to 97% wow. gathering rate. That was an experience she created for people in a simple story. And you, speaker agent, you know the power of storytelling, yeah. right? That then led to a belief, this is critical. It's one of the most important things we can do to save lives that led to new action, that led to a result. I mean, that's just a great example of changing culture in the moment, which is changing results through the power of intentional experiences. Mm -hmm. How rewarding has this been for you? Like I know you have your, your company by 2025, the, uh, how many millions of people. Um, uh, how rewarding has it been for you to have been on this journey for 15 years now and see the results that you've seen? I feel so humbled. I mean, I feel grateful. I, I get to work with companies that are trying to make it a better place. I was just talking to you before we got into this room about when I was little, my dad used to go to work every day. And I used to think, man, his colleagues are so lucky to get to spend all that time with him, you know, because as a kid, all you want is to be with your family, you know, and now as a mom, all I want is to be with my kid, you know? And so I understand the importance of like what really matters. And mm -hmm. I get to show up as a great mom when I'm doing fulfilling work, work that has a purpose, work that makes me feel like I'm contributing to the betterment of society. I'm interviewing CEOs every single day for the research we're doing with Stanford right now. Mm -hmm. And I've asked them, how do you get people to really care about work? And they all say, you get them to see how the work they're doing is improving the lives of someone else. And that connection for me has never been more clear how I'm improving the lives of other people by making their work life better, which makes their home life better. And so it just feels like it's important, you know? It's all yeah. I really want is how can I help the world in a little bit of a way? Yeah, that's awesome. And one thing I know that people have asked about quite a bit is, is how you do that from sort of the remote and the hybrid. Is there a different way that, that leaders, whether it's that Tuesday morning meeting or whether it's you know the big, big event type meeting, how do uh, leaders continue to have that sort of connection with their with their employees and with their people? It's a great question. So the really the key here on culture is that it doesn't just happen at the office. We have to be more intentional in a remote setting because you're not just walking into each other's office and having a casual chat, right? But we have an experience when we receive a text message. You know, when my boss texts me, that's an experience. And the, what he texts creates an, a belief in my mind about who he is and what our relationship looks like and what I'm supposed to be doing next. And so it's just about being more intentional about how we create experiences in a virtual world. We're about to release new research with Stanford right now. We looked at all the different kinds of cultures that exist in different organizations. We studied 243 companies mm -hmm. over the course of three years to say what really drove revenue growth. And there was only one culture that stood above and beyond the rest as making significant difference on profitability. And that was an adaptive culture. So the ability to adapt, not just your strategy, because everybody knows how to change strategy, right? You just pick a different direction. But how do you then change the beliefs, the way people think and act in accordance with that new strategy? And so the remote work 
is a new strategy. It's a new reality. It's the new transformation that every industry is going through. We have to figure out how to adapt to that. And the companies that are stuck in the past saying, you've got to be in the person all the time, they're going to miss out on talent attraction and retention because mm -hmm. the flexibility allows us to be with our families more. It's just, we've proven it can work and be pr productive, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's the new way we got to adapt. Great. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and being part of the Beyond Speaking podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. And for those of you who are watching and listening, make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, review. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. And then uh, also you can check out Jessica Kriegel at premierspeakers.com. So Jessica, thank you so much again. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, visit premierspeakers.com. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen.